Hi, good morning, and welcome, everyone. It is a national holiday in Japan, April 29th. I'm JJ Walsh, your host in Hiroshima, Japan, and. Hi, I'm Tova Kinoka, and I'm in Yokohama in Japan. And we have very exciting news today, right, Tova? Yes, finally. <laughs> finally, we have been talking since last year about doing this collaborative event together uh, to empower women, but to also talk about innovation and inspiration and sustainability, especially by women leaders and women entrepreneurs and women in business. And we had originally planned for it to happen in March. And we just could not, with the COVID situation, we just could not have an in person event. So we did the great online event. Was that this month? Was it last month? I can't even remember. But we had <laughs> four, four of the great speakers do like a panel discussion. That was a great online event. And then finally, we have a chance to have an in person event, and it's happening soon.、Uh, the week after Golden Week on May 14th, Saturday, all day event. In Tokyo and Hiroshima. We're so excited. <laughs> yeah, no, this is brilliant. It's so wonderful to finally see it sort of coming to life and, and、uh, actually going ahead. So, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, I will show the website、uh, for the event. And,、uh, Tova, do you want to talk about the Tokyo side yep. of the event? Yep, I can do that. So, in Tokyo, our in person event is being hosted by LVMH Japan. So, we are hugely grateful,、uh, grateful to LVMH for providing their wonderful space. And you can see one of our speakers, Aya Yamanouchi, there. So, she's head of、uh, LD for the LVMH group in Japan.、Um, brilliant speaker, very, very passionate、um, about what she does, about diversity and empowering women in the workplace.、Um, and LVMH, as well, has done a You know, is doing a lot on environmental sustainability as well. So, really happy to, to be working with them as hosts.、Um, we've got a wonderful lineup of speakers, as you can see there, really diverse groups. So, I'm really looking forward to hearing all the, the different perspectives, not only from you know, different cultural perspectives from where they're from, but also the type of work they're doing. So, we've got people working in、um, sort of grassroots MPOs,、uh, we've got people working with big multi Multinational corporates, we've got entrepreneurs. So it's a really diverse group in that sense as well. We're going to be doing、um, in the morning、uh, panel discussions, keynote from Angela Ortiz Betas、um, on making an impact. And that's something she knows an awful lot about. Which is brilliant. And then we're going to be looking at sustainability successes and challenges in Japan. So, what's working well so far? What is Japan doing well? What are people, individuals, organizations doing well? But also, what are the challenges that we still really need to be tackling and digging into? And then we're going to have some group discussion to give people a chance to get to know each other, to find out what other people. Um, other participants are doing because this is also a networking event, right? It's a really great chance to make connections with other people, other women who are interested in sustainability.、Um, lunchtime, we've got a chat with Aya and、uh, also Sarah Backley from the BCCJ,、um, young woman leader doing an amazing job there. 
And then we've got two workshops in the afternoon. So one is sort of on the personal side of sustainability, um, the life hacks, looking at how we can build it more into our daily lives. And then the second one is uh, looking at that in a work context. So if you're not in an official sustainability capacity, how do you build that into your work? How do you um, engage with different stakeholders, maybe internally in your organization and external stakeholders as well to really move the sustainability agenda forward. So uh, really looking forward to this. It's going to be a really action-packed day. There's a lot going on that um, should be really good fun. And then LVMH are kindly hosting us for drinks in the evening as well. So very much hope um, we'll get a, a good turnout for that. Yeah, and I put the link for uh, where you can buy tickets for the Tokyo event, which includes a beautiful vegan lunch and networking drinks sponsored by the venue at the end. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, a real bonus. Did not expect that. So huge thanks to Aya and LVMH for that. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, let's talk about the schedule for Hiroshima. So we are in a beautiful old renovated house uh, an old rice merchant's house right on the sea with this beautiful view of the Setouchi. It's in a really charming historical port town called Mitadai. And the woman who owns this uh, place that's been remodeled, she is one of the speakers. And um, so at first, we're going to do a tie-up introduction uh, between Tovanai, Tokyo, and Hiroshima sync up. And then we will watch um, Angela Ortiz Petas uh, keynote presentation. And then we'll have a localized discussion of the points that Angela raised and talk about some issues in the Hiroshima area. And then we have Ruth Jarman uh, joining us online and she's gonna give us some inspiration and tips for career women in Japan. And then uh, the next session, we have now Fukuoka, who was a peace activist in Hiroshima. And she's doing a lot of great work in the area of Akitakira, Hiroshima. And this actually, getting Nao-san uh, as part of the event has led to a very exciting development. I don't think I've ever told you okay. about it. But uh, we might try this event again in September, and it would be great to link up again with Tokyo uh, in uh, Akitakira, where Fukuoka now oh, is. Fantastic. So uh, she's really excited about being a part of this event. And then we might try another rural area of Hiroshima, which is also trying innovative things Brilliant. for redevelopment. Mm -hmm. That's her area. So who knows, we might have a series of these wonderful events around <laughs> our area. Sounds fantastic. And uh, we have uh, tea time. And uh, uh, before tea time, Yoko Iwamoto, who uh, runs this place and remodeled this old beautiful building from Hiroshima University, will be talking about her research with aerosols on the ocean and climate change, some of the changes she sees over time. And then another speaker, also from Hiroshima University, Simona Zolet. And she has really interesting research and insights about rural communities as new places of possibility. So I think for the Hiroshima event, seeing a lot of women who are doing really inspiring and innovative work in terms of rebuilding community in yeah. the rural areas, and um, there's a lot of um, innovation happening and uh, support of community from a lot of the women who are speaking. That's really good to see. 
And then uh, at the end, we have the group graffiti's board. So very similar to the Tokyo <laughs> Uh, sum up at the end. Uh, before that, right after lunch, we're going to do some DIY plastering <laughs> with Yoko because she's doing remodeling. She's yeah. becoming quite good at plastering. And I think this is one of the things um, that it's really nice to know how to do if you're trying to fix up your house in a natural way. Um, so she's going to run us through that a little bit. And uh, sorry, I forgot. Right after lunch, we have a walking tour of me today. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm confirming the guide and speaker today. Um, but we're really excited to walk around this historical town, which has so many connections to uh, gender imbalance of the past, as mm -hmm. well as it was such a rich historical town. It had a lot of money coming in as an entertainment district. So the houses themselves are really beautiful wow. and very ornate. So there's a lot of things that I think the guide will be able to highlight for us. Um, so yeah, very exciting. Yes. Yeah, no, can't wait, can't wait, really. I mean, it's been a lot of work getting this up and moving. Um, and we're really grateful to all the people who have helped us, particularly Shirley, who is not going to be able to be with us at the actual event, Shirley Cortian. Um, so hopefully, uh, if we do another event in September or whenever that is, she'll be able to join us for that. But huge thanks to everyone who's helped us really get this off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And so many different themes. Right. Uh, we have like a lot of a lot of the speakers on the Tokyo side. It seems me maybe more career focused yeah. uh, mm -hmm. for business. And then on the Hiroshima side, we have a, a lot of like sustainable tourism, community mm -hmm. development. Um, but it'll be great for anyone, even if you buy a ticket online, um, anybody who buys a ticket online or in person is going to get access to all the videos after and be yes. able to, to get so much of this great information, even if you can't join us on the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And also just sort of on that point to make it more accessible. Um, so in Tokyo, a lot of the panels, discussions and um, presentations will be in English, um, but they will be recorded. So afterwards, we'll be adding uh, Japanese subtitles to them. So if anyone's not confident that they're going to understand everything there, you can watch it afterwards with the Japanese subtitles. But for all the, the workshops and the, the breakout discussions, those can be bilingual. People can discuss in whatever language they want to uh, English, Japanese or other. So that is absolutely fine. We want to make sure that people just have a chance to really feel comfortable and be able to talk freely. Yeah. And uh, in the Hiroshima event, it looks like we're going to have a lot of Japanese speakers who can also speak English. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, but well, we might have a back and forth discussion hmm. in Japanese and English during the event. Um, if it's mostly in Japanese and mostly Japanese people attending, we might do subtitles after. Um, but this is the first time we're trying this exciting collaboration. So we'll see how it works. Yeah. And we'll really try to add lots of value, even if you are just joining us online. Um, and for the online ticket sales, uh, all of the profits from the online ticket sales part from the Hiroshima ticket sales for online or the Tokyo ticket sales for online, uh, is going to be donated to Second Harvest. Yep. No. And so we're that, really happy with that choice. That's yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about work. Second Harvest a little bit? 
Well, so Second Harvest um, started by Charles McJilton, I believe, and they've been going for quite some time, an MPO in Tokyo, and they work with local restaurants and businesses, shops, etc., to take on food that is going to be wasted, thrown away at the end of its um, shelf life or, you know, at the end of the day, stuff that hasn't been sold, and they can provide that to people who really need it. So people who are struggling to put food on the table for themselves, for their families um, and that's often um, a lot of single mothers I believe so um, you know who live pretty close to the wire in Japan in terms of being able to afford uh, decent food so they do fantastic work there um, and of course it helps with the food loss issue as well which is massive here in Japan um, as it is in many places so that you know it, it's really helping a lot of uh, overcome a lot of issues so we think that'd be a, a great cause to to give the profits to yeah definitely uh, now tova you went to an interesting event uh run by sego initiative alana bonzi who is also involved with the event right yes yeah very much so so um it was on earth day last week and um it was uh, an event called forest walk um, so the, the link, um, I think I've just popped in the chat. If you could share that, JJ, that'd be great. Sure. Um, so Sego do a lot of um, events, initiatives, projects related to um, getting people involved with uh, usually ocean conservation. This was more on forests, but it was looking at really at the issue of mental health, actually, and how um, I'm sure many people have heard of forest bathing, Shinrin-yoku in Japan. Um, but it's taking that a step further and looking at forest therapy. And there's a whole base of scientific research under this that looks at things like um, in the forest, the um, substances emitted by the trees, by soil, etc., as you walk along, can actually be extremely beneficial for the body, the brain, and helping you relax, plus the, the colors, um, the, the you know, being in nature. Um, and so there's, as well as just sort of going around and appreciating it and just sort of enjoying that feeling like the, the forest bathing concept, it takes it a, lot, a little bit further and has a sort of a structured approach. So it's kind of like a walking meditation. Um, the, the guide, um, as they call them, the people who are sort of trained in this um, methodology. Um, and Elena Ekman um, is uh, based not so far away from you, I believe, JJ. Yeah, I've been visiting um, her. She's in Wakayama. Right, that's right. So, um, I mean, she she's trained in this methodology. Um, and it's really interesting to look at how that can be sort of built into, example, uh, leadership programs or for for companies where people are getting very stressed and feeling disconnected um, to, to get people out and, and sort of go through this process and look at how that can benefit their, their well-being and then they can bring that back into the workplace as well. So it was a really interesting event. Wow, looks amazing. Yeah, I think we, we need to get back in touch with nature. And uh, that connects to some exciting event that I went to last week. Yes, very much, right? <laughs> the Minka Summit was amazing. And it was so exciting for me because it was a chance to finally meet in person a lot of my heroes <laughs> who I have interviewed in the series. So here we see Asby Brown, who I've interviewed so many times. He has so many wonderful insights and to be able to listen to his speech in person <laughs> was so fun. And then Wendy Bigler, who was one of the organizers, 
uh, she was like many of the organizers, they're all volunteers. They were mm -hmm. doing such a great job setting everything up. Uh, here's Dorothy Takasu, who I interviewed, who runs a Zen retreat center in Nagano. And she was selling and demonstrating how to make beautiful washi paper lamps, um, which she uses in her meditation center. And then, of course, the amazing Alex Kerr was the keynote speaker. And he did a great keynote about how he really thinks the idea of protecting old things mm -hmm. is linked to the folk craft uh, kind of appreciation movement of Minge, Hamada Shoji and Bernard Leach and Yanagi Soetsu mm -hmm. uh, back in the early 1900s. Wow. Um, so unfortunately it wasn't as popular as it could have been and we would have been at a much better place for Minka preservation now. Um, but that whole idea that old things have value mm. to be yep. reused. And here's Alex Kerr here in front of a picture of his original house that he bought as a teenager, Chiori. And that was his first remodel. And I had the pleasure of going and staying there for my oh, birthday wow. this year. It's such a special place. Mm -hmm. um, so I really think Alex in particular, he's done so much work in writing as well as renovation projects around Japan to show that not only international visitors, but domestic visitors love mm -hmm. to stay at these old places as long as they're comfortable. They yeah. like the traditional aesthetic as long as there is also nice baths and Western <laughs> toilets and, you yes. know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's the, the best of the old and the new, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so part of the Minka Summit, we had a chance to visit um, some renovated old Minka in the area around where the event was. Uh, this was one of our favorites. It was a beautiful old Minka house that had been completely renovated. Uh, inside had this gorgeous little book book area, which my oh, husband fell in love with here. And <laughs> my kids would have loved climbing around here as well. Um, but this this house was uh, renovated before she bought it by a really talented renovation company, and she got it for ten million. Wow, which is so reasonable, right? Yes. And one of the really nice innovative things I thought for this house was adding more natural light hmm. uh, for these old minka because they're inside the metal frame is thatch like traditional thatch. And so it can be really dark, uh, yeah. very little light. So the renovation group added this skylight and then the floor added light to the downstairs. And I just thought yeah. that was such a beautiful idea. I think I have a picture from it downstairs. I can't find it. Oh, there it is. So you can see how it just oh, adds so much beautiful yeah. natural light. So even using old buildings in innovative and creative ways to make it more comfortable to live in. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. In this house in particular, loads of people who were at the event, there were like 300 people who went to this event in the middle of nowhere, Kyoto. Like it's a beautiful area, but it took like 90 minutes to drive there from Kyoto. It's technically yeah. Kyoto city, but it's very rural Kyoto. It was a beautiful mm -hmm. location. Um, but so many people who went to this house are like, that's what I want. I want a house that's been renovated already yes. at a really good price, but this is rare and far between. A mm -hmm. lot of the places are very run down. 
uh, it's going to take you, you know, a lot of uh, innovation and good people to work with, or maybe you're good mm -hmm. at DIY to fix it up yourself. Yeah. But there was a real common theme among a lot of people I met, um, the quality of life, right? Yes. You have better quality of life in the rural areas, better balance between mm. work, life, and family. You're next to nature. You're growing your own food. You're catching your own water. You're making your own energy on the roof. Like if you're talking about sustainable future yeah. ideal communities, it might be communities of renovated Minka, not a high-tech new community, right? Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a lot of focus, I think, in the sustainability um, conversations that we're seeing, particularly at sort of governmental level and amongst the big corporations on technology and how technology is going to solve all our problems. Um, and I think, yes, we're going to need a lot of technological um, innovation. But actually, I was talking to um, a Swiss gentleman recently, no, sorry, Austrian, got it wrong, um, Austrian gentleman who I met at a sustainability event. And he um, works very much on connecting um, Austrian companies um, with uh, Japanese startups that are really sort of doing interesting things and vice versa. Um, and he was saying that, look, I think we've got all the, you know, at least a good part of the technological uh, innovation that we need already. What we need to be doing is thinking about how to apply it differently and how to make better use of what's already there. And I think that's a really sort of a very common sense way of looking at it, right? We've got, I mean, like you were saying about the sort of the comforts, modern comforts in these older houses, it's combining the the, the new technologies and the, you know, the, the existing structures that are really good already and some of the older techniques and thinking. If we can bring these things together, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. It can be looking at, okay, how do we use some of the new technologies that we have around perhaps sort of energy capture and things like that, but in putting them into an older building. Um, and I think if we can look at sort of that kind of uh, approach rather than all new or completely off-grid old and without any of the new as well, th those approaches I think are not necessarily going to be most helpful. What we want to be looking at is collaboration how do we bring these things together definitely and you already have a high quality base there with yeah. a house that has a good frame uh, you don't have to destroy it and rebuild in fact some of the materials the basic materials of these old houses is better than oh, any yes. new material yeah. because yeah. we don't have those huge tree trunks that these houses were made of which mm. will last hundreds of years yeah. so this idea that an old japanese house has no value after 30 40 years is mm. ridiculous yeah. You can have them 300, 400, 500, 600 years. Um, one of the other people I met at the conference is Shelley Clark, and she recently renovated 10 houses in an area, a beautiful wow. village in Shizuoka, which is like a nice altogether mm -hmm. uh, 10 buildings, 600 years old. And oh, she's renovating yeah. it. And it's mm. beautiful. And she's making a guest house and a a tea house, you know, and she's building in one of the old Kura storage houses. She's going to yeah. make a bath. Ah, right. Yes. I think I remember you saying that. Really wonderful idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I also, uh, next to visiting all these kura, I met this lovely couple, uh, Scottish, Japanese, but they also lived in Australia for a long time. He was a trained chef. Now they're running this beautiful lodge called the Highland Inn, uh, which was right in the same area, the Hanase Highland Inn. Mm-hmm. And it was such a beautiful old building, which they had remodeled. So they had a separate uh, building for the guest house, and they only take one group at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, he made beautiful food for us because it was, you know, as vegetarians, vegans, it's always difficult when yes. you travel to the rural areas. And we were just expecting to have our rice balls from the, the convenience store that we brought with us. And he said, I can make you something. And he made us this beautiful lunch. So it's it's that idea of having those those points of appeal Hmm. as an entrepreneur who has something special to offer in terms of hospitality. Yes. Then the rural areas, the renovated Minka, that has a lot of appeal for people, Mm -hmm. especially during Corona, uh, trying to get out of the cities, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think people are much more open to uh, and interested in experiences like that now. Another interesting thing I did last week, I went to Muji. Uh, Muji Hiroshima's flagship store has just opened uh, last week. I can't even keep track of time. So much is happening. <laughs> um, but I, we went on the pre-open right before it opened officially. And it's a great initiative. They're really trying to do something more sustainable in how they're offering uh, new products, but also... Uh, for example, they have this book by section. Mm. Uh, it could be better. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It's great that they're offering book by, but you have to buy it in single-use paper packages. Ah, okay. And because of the mm. system they have in place. So mm-hmm. I luckily had the chance to talk to the ESG manager for Muji while I was there, and Brilliant. I gave her lots of ideas. And I said, you know, there are better ways if you could let people bring their own container another example was at the tea section you can buy Mm -hmm. tea by bulk but not unfortunately in a reusable container you can only buy this metal container once as a gift Hmm. and so they have they're so close right for for so much of this like if you just have more of a bring your own container Mm. or buy one of muji's containers be able to reuse it and be yeah Mm -hmm. better right So close, but two brilliant things, or three brilliant things that I saw. Uh, One was refillable water with your own bottle. Wonderful to see at a major shop. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we know my Nizu is fantastic, but it is hard to find places to refill your bottle. So they have this in few places around the store. Wonderful Mm -hmm. to see. And a huge step in the right direction. None of their drinks are sold in pet bottles. Oh, good. Well done, Muji. All the drinks Mm. are sold in glass, metal, or paper, Hmm. all of which are much more possible and easier to recycle. Yes. Uh, We know that Mm -hmm. plastic pet bottles are not recycled. They really are single use, and most of them are burnt. So this is a huge, huge step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get a picture, but they also have a refillable beauty section. So you can bring your own containers Mm -hmm. and refill on shampoo and conditioner and soap and other beauty beauty products. 
And that is the only one in Japan to do that. So fantastic. Oh, that's really, yeah, raising the bar, isn't it? Like you say, lots of things that they could improve on, but that is raising the bar. And hopefully we'll see others, maybe other Muji stores, but also other stores as well, starting to, uh, to think about how they can do that. Absolutely. I also had a really interesting talk uh, the other day with Richard Pierce. He's in Totori and he uh, just co-founded a new organization called Sustainable Dyson. And they're trying to improve the habitat in the Dyson mountain area to protect these amazing giant salamanders. <laughs> um, so at first they were thinking, oh, we just try to work out a way to protect the giant salamanders. Uh, one of the problem is in the rivers, there's like barriers put mm, in okay. to stop erosion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the problem is they can't go upstream to mate. Ah. And it's mm. so it's it's going to kill them all out within a few years. Um, so they're trying to do workarounds to make slopes or different mm. things to protect the salamanders. But they also realize, hey, this is a bigger problem. If we don't improve the quality of the water, the salamanders are not going to survive anyway. Yeah. So they mm -hmm. created like bigger initiatives, doing a lot of uh, collaboration with local university students on planting trees and doing organic farming and using less plastics. So it was really exciting to talk to him and mm -hmm. really inspiring projects that he's involved with. In that sounds great. Yeah, I caught a little bit of that, but I want to go back and listen to the rest of it. So yeah. sounds good. And uh, one more talk I did with uh, Zenberg, Roger Ong, and we were talking about washi paper, the ten <laughs> R's, uh, foster kids in Japan, and gender. Uh, really interesting. Uh, we're going to try to do this once a, once a month. Zenberg mm -hmm. Media is always focusing on really interesting sustainable issues in Japan. And so once a month, we're going to choose four of their uh, topics and have a, a discussion about it. So that was great. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. And that's almost our time. Anything else, Tova? I feel like I've talked a lot this time. Um, gosh, no. Just um, come and join us at the events. Uh, the ticket links are there. Uh, the website's live as well. Um, you know, we've got some really great speakers. So it would be wonderful to um, have a full house of participants. Um, and if you can't be there in person, join us online. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, and I, I think what we're trying to do with the event is really unique. We don't see events like this. Of course, mm. men are more than welcome to come. Absolutely. As I've already had a few asking. Yeah, <laughs> yep. but uh, we just we wanted to really have an event where people who identify as women are leaders and speakers and to counterbalance so many events still where you only see men in the leadership position so there are lots of women out there and only when you do events where you say we're only going to have women leaders do you let some of these women shine yes. who otherwise maybe might not get a bit of the spotlight right absolutely absolutely so we're really looking forward to that but of course like as you said you know if men want to join as participants that would be wonderful we'd be very happy to have you there guys so please do fantastic so we've got the links below and uh, please sign up we're looking forward to seeing you there wonderful